Well, today I'm going to share a number of things. We're going to get some uh, advice from the richest man in the world, talk about why people don't find fulfillment and what to do about that, and share a story here about one of the most popular authors of all time and want you understand what he went through and some of the impossible moments that became possible. Uh, again, the understanding is what can happen for another can happen for you and I. But let's start here. Article from Michael Hyatt talks about tattoos and regret. Roughly one in three people have a tattoo. 25% though regret that decision. The reason they do is poor execution, which means a lot of misspellings, things like that in the tattoos. Get this, the tattoo removal tattoo removal is the fastest growing cosmetic procedure in the world. So some examples of poor execution is just a misspellings again. So this one, it was never forget that God in its I-S-I-N-T finished with me yet. And this one here is everything happens, E-N-D-S, for a reason. Uh, this one is life is a gamby, so take a chance. And this one is regret no heen. So again, just a simple letter changes everything. And what a great metaphor for life, though. Uh, again, tattoo removal, the fastest growing cosmetic procedure in the world. People wanting to, to get rid of something that was intended to be permanent. And a great metaphor for life because we all have things that they may seem like a, a permanent scar or mark in our life, but we want to see that removed. And, and the gospel is that his mercies are new every morning. So I want to share some things here today and some things, again, where people thought that's impossible, but it becomes possible. And you'll see what Paul has to say about living the spiritual life in the midst of challenges. But let's start here. Elon Musk, the world's richest man. Here was his advice. Stop being patient. Start asking yourself, how can I accomplish my 10-year plan in six months? You'll probably fail, but you'll be a lot further and the person who simply accepted it, that it would take 10 years. That's some great advice. You know, instead of saying, here's my 10-year plan, what can I do in six months to accomplish that 10-year plan? And you won't get all of it, but the point he's making has been studied very well. Small goals don't move people. Big goals are what get people really excited in life. When people say that's an impossible thing and see somebody else reach that impossible, it, it inspires again something in us to move into that bigger goal, especially in the spiritual life on becoming more and more like Jesus. You know, Dean Karnaz is an ultra marathon runner. If you can imagine, he has run 350 miles nonstop. If you read his book, he talks about, you know, this takes days to accomplish. And so you can't go without sleep. And so he would be running and fall asleep and he'd wake up just before he'd fall to the ground. And that's where his sleep happened while he was actually running. The, the first marathon is from 490 BC. A messenger, we're told, had, had run 26 miles to share that the Athenians had beaten the Persians in battle. That marathon runner, that first person, his name was Phidippides, and some suggest he did the run several times over the few days to share that news, probably ran around 150 miles. But again, Dean Karnaz ran 350 miles. Listen to what he has to say. We think if we had every comfort available to us, we'd be happy. We equate comfort with happiness. And now we are so comfortable, we are miserable. That's a, that's a great statement. We're so comfortable, now we're miserable. He goes on to say there's no struggle or adventure in our life. Now listen to what Paul has to say 
about what he sees about comfort and discomfort. 2 Corinthians 12, 10, Paul says, I am well content with weakness, with insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am made strong. What Paul is trying to say is believers must trust, you know, God the most in the areas of life where they are the weakest or where they suffer the most. That's the beauty of what Paul is relaying here. When you know Christ, the power of his resurrection, things that move others don't move you anymore. Discomfort, you are able to embrace that because you see it as a chance for where you don't know the answers to find the answer in the mind of Christ. It's where you say, you know, I'm weak. I'm going to see God move the most clearly. And so when Paul says, I'm content, weaknesses and insults, distress, persecution, difficulties for Christ's sake. A lot of people would say, I don't want insults or distress or persecutions, difficulties. But the reality is the challenge is like that. And Paul says, embrace that because you'll see God give you that strength that comes from above. Embrace that because you'll grow and you grow closer to Christ and you'll more embrace him because you'll see that he's there in those times when you most need to see that grace. Again, there's worldly thinking and then there's having the mind of Christ. There's worldly thinking that says, give me what I want and focus on me. And there's the mind of Christ that says, let me decrease that he might increase. Let me give you some worldly thinking here. Mickey Bell shares this about sports in quotation marks there. Listen to what he has to say. This is worldly thinking. And then think about Paul saying, I'm ready for the insults and persecutions and difficulties. Here's Mickey Bell. Houses have become combat zones. Offices have become boxing rings. Churches have become battlefields. Tension is a way of life. And we wonder why we have a hard time keeping our kids from fussing and fighting. Pennsylvania basketball. A parent body slammed a high school referee after he ordered the man's wife out of the gym for yelling obscenities during a basketball game. The referee was treated at a hospital for a concussion, then released after the attack. Kentucky basketball during a fifth grade game in Adair County, one player's father and a teacher physically confronted the game official during halftime after the official ejected several players, fifth graders, for a fight that broke out during the first half of the game. Kentucky baseball, Roger Bracter, a father of a t-ball player, was briefly jailed after an outburst against an umpire during a game involving five and six-year-old kids. Ohio football, more than 100 people rushed the field and five adults were charged with assault for attacking a high school football official as the crew left the field following a state playoff game. The crowd was angry when the official called back an apparent game-winning touchdown due to a holding penalty. When Paul says, I am content with weakness, insult, distress, persecutions, difficulties, how different than those in the world that just seek self and what they can get, this me and mine. 
Louise Hay, a great author, said, the thoughts we choose to think are the tools we use to paint the canvas of our lives. When we choose thinking that focuses on what is holy and pure, focuses on the mind of Christ instead of focusing on lack and scarcity and what I'm not getting, everything changes. You go back to 1988, Canelos Canelopoulos had a different way of thinking and painting the canvas of his life. He wanted to fly a plane, but he wanted to fly an engineless plane. And you can imagine the scoffers. So he developed that plane, and it was powered by pedaling similar to bike pedals. But again, the question was, well, would it fly? Canelos took that plane, that engineless plane, out over the ocean and pedaled it. It flew over 70 miles. Everything seems impossible again until somebody does it. John Wesley famously said, Give me a hundred men who love nothing but God and hate nothing but sin, and I'll shake the whole world for Christ. To find those, though, that truly love God and say, Yes, He is my life. And when I'm weak, I'm strong. And I believe that the impossible becomes possible in him. And I believe when I don't know the answer, that he has the answer. I believe when I don't have the strength, that he is my strength. And I don't seek the comfort. I seek to know him and the power of his resurrection so that I can live life as he's called me to live it. As Steve Lawson said it so well, salvation is not a good person becoming better nor making a sick person well. Salvation is making a dead person alive in Christ. So let's talk about something here from the the standpoint of fulfillment, especially for men. You know, men were goal-driven, want to see the accomplishment of a project. Here's the challenge, though. When you get to the end of that project, the key is you have to have a new goal. We're not talking about just a a sense of something done, you know, like a, a construction project with your hands. It could be a goal to change your marriage. It could be a goal to change your prayer life. It doesn't just apply to men. It applies to all people. But when you think about people that accomplish a goal, often what happens, they reach that goal and they become bored. You know, Tony Robbins, he talks about a friend, millionaire, and he retired. And after four months, you know, he was miserable. And they met and talked about how come. And the man said, you can only sit on the beach every day for so long. Tony Robbins, I love this quote. There is excitement in creation, not in maintenance. There's excitement in creation, not in maintenance. The juice of life is saying, what can I create? What can I do to expand, to grow, to become more, to give more? And doing all of that so that you have more of yourself to bring to the world to change people's lives. To just maintain what you have, there's no juice in that. Life is in what am I creating? How am I growing? If you're in a place where you're not feeling the joy in life, one thing to really look at is to say, what is the compelling future you have, again, for the next six months? Maybe like Elon Musk says, take and say this six months, I'm going to try to accomplish 10 years worth of stuff. 
And again, we do it not for self, but so that we can become more of who we're called to be in Christ. Think about this here. I share these quotes each week because people discover the same thing, whether we're talking thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, or today. It's what you find in Scripture. Here is from Thaddeus, a Serbian monk, early 1900s. Listen to what Thaddeus said a century ago. Our thoughts determine our lives. Our thoughts determine our lives. The same thing. As Paul says, you need to be daily renewed in your thinking. The thinking that says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Not thinking that says, what can I get? Scarcity, fear, doubt, anxiety. But rather thoughts that say, what the world says is impossible, I believe is possible. I am well content with weakness, insult, distress, persecutions, and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm made strong. Here's an example from Hudson Taylor's life. Hudson Taylor, a missionary to China. Here's his account of what happened, along with some input here from an author, Philip Yancey. But just listen to the words here. When Hudson Taylor first went to China, he made the voyage on a sailing ship. As it neared the channel between the southern Malay Peninsula and the island of Sumatra, the missionary heard an urgent knock on his door. He opened it, and there stood the captain of the ship. So Taylor's taken a ship on his way to China. The captain knocks on the door. The captain says, Mr. Taylor, we have no wind. We are drifting toward an island. The people are heathen. I fear they're cannibals. Taylor asked, what can I do? The captain said, I understand you believe in God. I want you to pray for wind. Taylor responded, all right, captain, I will. You must set the sail. They're drifting towards this island, fear of their lives. The captain says, pray for wind. Taylor said, I'll pray for wind. You set the sail. The captain then responds and says, That is ridiculous. There is not the slightest breeze. The sailors will think I'm crazy. But faith is doing what is uncommon. Faith is doing what seems to be the impossible and trusting it becomes possible. In our weakness, we are strong. So Taylor closes the door and goes to prayer. The captain goes on deck, orders the sails to be raised. Here's the rest of the account. 45 minutes later, the captain returned and found the missionary still on his knees. You can stop praying now, said the captain. We've got more wind than we know what to do with. That's what happens again in this life when we trust in Christ in all things. Rabbi Almadine said it wonderful. What happens is of little significance compared with the stories we tell ourselves about what happens. The stories we say about why it can't be done or what's holding us back or who's standing in our way, those stories are what stop us when we need to say instead, let me tell you a story about an empty tomb and a risen Savior who can do all things. 
Listen to what Sunday Joe had to say. She herself said what changed her life. She was in depression and addiction. She said what changed her life, two things, therapy and prayer. She entered a residential program. And so there in that place, therapy and prayer became her lifeblood. When she found herself well, she knew God was calling her to open a residential program for girls. I love what she said, though. I said no about 175,000 times. We've all said no. She says, why? It was too big for me and it was too scary. She knew, though, God wanted her to start a rehab facility and then tragedy struck a friend. And then she said, yes. She goes on to say, though, when obstacles come up, I remember my why. Again, the same thing, learn lessons, centuries, millennia today. When you're not sure what's next, hold on to your why, your why that is bigger than yourself. Write down your why, your several whys on how come you're going to reach that place in this area of your life to glorify Christ and to be more so you can give more. Louise Hay has great advice. Remember, you have been criticizing yourself for years and it hasn't worked. Try approving of yourself and see what happens. There's plenty of critics. It's an easy job. It's an amateur job. We do it to ourselves. What we should say instead is, I am content. Distress, hardship, insults, difficulties. Because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong in Christ. Give you some things you can do to, to get out of that rut. If you find yourself in your rut, for many people, their problem is they don't move enough. Somebody once said, move your body, move your mind. When you get your mind clear, you start thinking different. You start behaving different. You start feeling different. Philip, Bill Phillips said it, exercise is the most potent yet underutilized antidepressant. So some, they need to begin to move. Others need to begin to state more clearly and confess and declare their why. Others need to say, let me start telling a different story. And all of us need to have more and more of Paul's words to say, no matter what discomfort, I trust in Christ. You know, J.R. Tolkien Beloved author of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, lived 1892-1973. He's born in South Africa. He died in the UK. Difficult life. His mother died. He was just a child. He's at boarding school. He grows up. He and three others become best friends for life. <clears throat> then 1916, they find themselves... World War One, Battle of Some. Tolkien and one other boy come back. He lost two of his best friends. Saw the horror of war. Comes back from that. He's lost his best friends. He's seen the horror of war. He's broken. 
struggling. He's taking journal notes to record things he wanted to unsee. He wants to know how do you take a darkness like a world war and bring light into the world in such a time as this. And he starts to write a story and take some of those horrific images to begin to, to craft a world. And in the story, the, the flamethrowers on the battlefield become a fire-breathing dragon to represent evil. And he wants to make the story of the, the Hobbit, the Lord of the Rings, to show people that good overcomes evil. But it's a wrestling match to complete this manuscript. He finds himself at Oxford. He's teaching, and here's what he shares. He meets C.S. Lewis. And Lewis does for him what each of us can do for anybody. I'll just read his own words. Only by his support and friendship did I ever struggle to the end of the labor and complete these books. The unpayable debt that I owe C.S. Lewis was sheer encouragement. What a difference. What a difference. Just encouragement, shining the light of Christ in somebody else's life. That's why, again, the juice is in creation, not in maintenance. When you and I become more, give more, know more, do more, then we impact other people's lives. That's what we're called to do. I am well content with weaknesses, insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am made strong. Close with this. Daniel B. Towner, worship leader in 1886. He's a worship leader at Dwight Moody's Revival Services. And one night, some people are testifying and he shared, one young man gave a testimony and said, I am not quite sure, but I am going to trust and I am going to obey. Towner wrote down that young man's words. He knew there was something there in those words that had real depth. He sent those words to a friend, John Samus. Samus took those words of that young man, expanded them, and then Towner took that expanded poem and put it to music. Today we sing the words starting as that testimony that Towner and Samus transformed into this. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey.